Last week, we began to talk about um, a pattern that we see throughout the Bible, that it's both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, um, and it's really a way that God engages the human race, or you, we could say you or I. It, it, it's a way that he engages, and it's really, really simple, but it ties in to a desire, I believe, that he has put in every single human being. It doesn't matter what country you were raised in. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you live on. It doesn't matter what your background or your upbringing, but there's an overwhelming desire in our life that we want our life to go better. Are you with me? We want, I mean, nobody says I want my life to go worse. We want our life to go better. And he put that desire in every one of us. And the reason is, is God has better. He has better for our lives. And it directly connects to something that he's put in every person, whether they know him or not, whether they acknowledge him or not. And it's just in one word in, in, in the statement, you see it on the screen, but it's better. It could be about it could be about life in general, where you're looking at your life right now, generally speaking, and you're saying, My life right now, it just needs to go better. I've got several fronts, but God, I just need it to go better. Or it could be very specifically in area where you're looking at a specific area and you're saying, you know what? I, I just need, I need this specific area maybe that I'm facing at this moment to get better. You know, part of the purpose of adversity in our life should be to push us toward God. Yeah. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. I said, part of the reason for adversity in our life is it should push us toward God. We're all going to face problems that we can't fix. We can't fix. And if we don't, if it doesn't push us toward the Lord, then we pick up baggage that we have to deal later. We have to deal with it later because now it's hindering and it's hampering our life. And it's where we realize that God's good. He loves us. He has better for our life. You know, the Garden of Eden um, how many of you would have liked to have lived in the Garden of Eden? Oh, how many of you know what I'm saying? You think, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, do you think there was pies in the Garden of Eden? Come on. Apple, only apple. Only apple. I mean, but you, do you know that if you look up the word, and God is the one that named it Eden. But if you look up the word Eden, Eden means delight or to find pleasure in. So God creates this garden and the name of it is delight or to find pleasure in. Everybody wants better. You can fill in the blank, either generally speaking, or maybe you're here in a, your specific area and you're saying, you know, I just, I, I just want my relationships to be better. I just need peace in this area right now. I just need my finances to be better. I just need less anxiety and less pressure and maybe more peace in my life. Maybe you're here in your specific area is maybe marriage.
marriage and family and kids and, and everything. Maybe you, you're just saying, you know, I just want, I need to know that I'm on right now. I'm in God's purpose for my life. It could be health related. It could be adversity with, within our life. And we see it throughout the Bible where God calls to someone in all of those categories and he reaches out to them and he basically says, I have better for you. I have better for your life. I have better than what you're going to experience. But if you want it, you're going to need to seek me. You're going to need to come after me and follow me. And as I said earlier, this is a a theme so that there are dozens and dozens of examples of this in throughout the Bible. But we have chosen to look at a guy by the name of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. And I want to just, just for the context, I want to give you a little bit of background about Abraham. And one of the reasons I believe that the Lord put him on my heart is outside of God or Jesus, Abraham is referenced more times than anyone else in the Bible. He's referenced more times. The Bible tells us that Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham. You say, well, what about Moses? Moses was talked about a whole lot. Yeah, but the Bible also tells us that Moses came through the lineage of Abraham. If you look in the New Testament, all of those who have accepted Jesus are called the seed of Abraham because the promise of the Redeemer was given to Abraham that out of his seed would come the Messiah and all nations would be blessed through that seed, speaking of Jesus. And just so you know, Abraham got that promise when he was in a tough spot. He was in a spot that he needed better. And God gave him that promise and said, I just want to let you know, and you all nations will be blessed. Every, every people will be blessed through you. Abraham, and this is kind of a something I think that we need to understand because a lot of times whenever we bring up biblical characters in the Bible, we treat them as though they're perfect or they don't need, they didn't go through the things that I went through. One thing that is really encouraging to me about the Bible is that God put all the dirty laundry of the individuals in the Bible. He, he put it all in and you say, why did he do that? Because he wants us to know that they were human just like we are. I don't know. If, if someone, if you were to write a book about yourself, would you leave some stuff out? Wouldn't you, you know what I'm saying? You would, you would look and you know, how many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, John describes himself in his book that he wrote as a disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, how many of you know, I think there's a little bias going down there. You, you know what I'm saying? He would be, and he just, but if you look, but God didn't do that. God put it all in there. He put everything in there so we could learn from it. And if you look at Abraham, Abraham wasn't raised knowing God. As a matter of fact, you can just write this reference down. In Joshua chapter 24, it tells us that his father, Terah, served other gods on the other side 
of the Euphrates River. In other words, Abraham was raised in a pagan, idol-worshiping, ungodly house. And if you study his life, what you find out is he didn't even have an encounter with God until he was somewhere between his 50s and his 60s is when he had his first encounter with God. If you study his early life, what it appears is he had a really tough time taking a stand, not just with God, but in other areas, he had a really tough time. And I want to just pick up, we read this last week in Genesis 12, verse 1 through verse 3. It says, the Lord had said, or past tense, to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Notice the word had said, and leave your native country. Abraham, at the time that God is speaking to him right here, he's no longer in his native country. He is in a place called Haran. His native country is a place called Ur of the Chaldees or Mesopotamia. And so what it appears, and we're going to see, is that God had spoken to him way back, and now Abraham, look at what it says, and he's reciting what God said in verse 2. He said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. This is the same message what God told him years, 10 to 20 years before. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, all families on the earth will be blessed through you. Last week, we talked about Stephen in Acts 7, 2, said that God spoke to him the first time in Ur of the Chaldees. And so now he's in a place called Haran. And, this, and what, I, what I love about this context is when we're reading Genesis 12, what we fail to forget is God had told him that he had a plan for his better 10 to 20 years before where we're reading in verse 12. And finally, in chapter 12, Abraham, after his father Terah dies, musters up the strength to say, okay, God, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to go after you. And last week we found out that even though God promised better to Abraham and wanted better for Abraham, even Abraham knew what it was and wanted it is nothing changed in his life until his belief in God's better affected his choices. Realize you can know that God has better, but if it doesn't affect your choices, it goes on hold and stays dormant until we stop and say, God, my belief in you is going to affect the choices that I make in my life. It, you, it, I mean, in Genesis 12, he finally makes a choice. And there's this misnomer. I personally think that people have predominantly in the Western world, um, speaking of uh, America, Europe, the Western world, is that it, there's, there's this misnomer that, well, if it's God's will for my life, it's just going to happen. Well, if that's God's will, then it's just going to happen. It's automatic. It's just going to happen because it's God's will. And I want to just maybe challenge that thought a little bit, is that Jesus gave his life to pay for the sins of the world. Can we all agree on that? Four of us. I said, Jesus gave his life to pay for the sins of the world. Do we all agree on that? Okay, so, so the tab's been picked up for everybody. Are you with me? 
Okay, in 1 Peter, it tells us that God is not willing, that's his will, that anyone dies and goes to hell without a relationship with God, but that everybody comes to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. Okay, now here's my next question. Are there people today dying, not going to heaven, going to hell, because they have rejected the payment that was made? But God's will is that they all go to heaven. He's even paid for it. That's his will. See, my choices, it isn't my, my will must align with God's will for his better to come into my life. And if my choices and my will don't align with his will, I can know about his better, but it won't change because my choices must align with his choices in order for it to come in my life. Let me just give you a great example. When I was younger, my wife told me I was eating too much fast food. How many of you can know where I'm going on this? And she began to look at me and she said, you need to exercise more. (laughs) She would pack me a lunch and I would drive through. How many of you are with me? You say, what did you do? I would eat them both. Praise the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. How many of you are with me? You know, and she began to say to me, so she said, we, this was back in the days of, how many of you remember these things called VHS? She got this VHS that guaranteed that if you do this, that you will, it will trim you up. So she would do it. I would watch and nothing changed. How many of you are with me on that? Is it? It had the potential, but my will had to agree with it for that ability to become a reality within my life. Are you with me? I mean, think about it right now. See, my will has to agree with his will in order for his better to become my reality. Let me just throw this out. You're saying, I want better in my marriage. I want better in my communication. I want better in my finances. I want better in my peace. Okay, you must align your will with what his word says, which his will, in order to experience that better in your life. Are you with me? See, our choices, they reveal what we really believe. They reveal our will. They reveal the direction that our life is going. Um, in Romans 10, 17, this was a scripture. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I read this scripture for probably um, 40 years. And then um, one day I read it. I got it. I didn't get it before, but I read it. I even had it memorized. I could say it. But one day the light went off and I went, whoa, oh my gosh. Look at what it says. It says, Romans 10, 17, many of you have maybe heard this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to read it slow. So then faith, come, or another word for faith is belief or assurance. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, my faith for my life 
comes down to what I hear. It comes down to whatever I hear, whatever I, what do I hear? What do I hear about my life? My faith comes down to that. Yes, with my natural ears, I hear things that are going on. I I totally get that. But what do I hear on the inside of my life? Does it agree and line up with the word of God or does it only based on something natural that's out here? See, my hearing about myself and my needs must be based on the word of God or the promises of God um, for my life to produce faith in my now. It, it, must agree, it must line up with that. See, the second part of this verse says, is my hearing needs to be the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, but my hearing needs to come from the word of God for it to produce faith. It, it, if faith only came from just hearing, then you could put on something, pull up a podcast, pull up a recording and go to sleep and turn it on at night and wake up in the morning. And if it only came from hearing, then your faith would go through the roof because you did it all night long. But the faith of God, what it realized is, do I hear what God says in here? Do I hear what what the Lord has said in here. I know that you've heard a bunch of stuff out here, but God said faith comes by hearing, but is your hearing coming from the word of God or is your hearing coming from something else in your life? Because if your hearing is coming from something other than the word of God, God wants to change what you're hearing because what you hear is gonna determine the course of your life. Does that make sense? That's why when we go through things, I get it. I understand we're hearing, but can I hear what God is saying? Can I hear what his word is promised? Can I hear what he's calling? Can I hear what God is saying on the inside? Because if I can hear it, then it's gonna produce faith in my now, in my situation. But if I forget it, I don't know about it. I don't identify with it. I can love God, but I'm not gonna have faith because I haven't heard it on the inside, all I'm hearing is the outside. Does that make sense? And so, and what I love about this is if you look at this, this affects my choices. My choices are going to be based on what I hear on the inside of my life. It's going to, if I stand up here and God, and I say to you, God wants to give you peace, but then you don't ever you don't ever see the verse. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not like the world I give you. But in your mind, you stop and say, I'm just so anxious. I've been anxious. I got all this stuff going on. I don't see any way to peace. That hearing overrode the peace on the inside. It overrode it. My, my choice went to that. Are you with me? My, my, and so I have to stop and I have to say, and what I love is Abraham heard what God said 10 to 20 years earlier on the outside with his ears. He heard it, but he had to hear it on the inside before it affected his choices. See, what I hear and listen to on the inside, it directly affects my choices. 
And, and if I'm not hearing what God's word is saying to me on the inside, then I'm going to struggle with my choices. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle with them. Look at what it says in Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. That's right where I'm at. Right. And a light unto my path. That's where I'm going. God said that my word needs to be, you got to hear it right where you're at, but then you need to let it affect how you see your future and where you're going. And you say, but I've been through, I get it. I understand. Abraham was raised in a pagan, a pagan idol worshiping house. That's what he was raised in. And finally, after his dad passed away, it was a tipping point. And he said, you know what? There's got to be more. God, you told me 10, 10, 15, 20 years ago that you had better. And I've not made any choices in regard to your better. But now I'm right here. And Lord, I thought about it enough that I believe in your better. And he stepped out and went where God told him to go with his choices in his life. You know, I think there's a word that we see throughout the Bible, predominantly in the New Testament, that I believe that we've misunderstood and has a major effect on us experiencing God's better. Major effect on us. Huge effect. It's a, and, and it's a natural progression from where I'm at to God's better in the context of what you're talking about. And it's the word repent. Everybody say repent. I mean, we've all seen street preachers. How many of you know what I'm saying? And I mean, I've, I've, I've been around street preachers that were preaching and I thought, dear Lord, if everybody in heaven is like you, I don't know if I want to go. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just like, yeah, you are harsh. You are nasty. You are critical. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't sense any love. I don't sense any hope. I don't, you know what I'm saying? And but in, in, so what we've done is we've allowed maybe a, a, a stereotype of a word, but there's a natural progression. John the Baptist, before Jesus started his ministry in, in Matthew 3, 2, and I like the amplified, it, it actually unpacks the word repent. Matthew 3, 2, John preached, repent, and look at what it is. Change your inner self and your old way of thinking with regret for your past sins and live a life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice what repentance is, is it is a change on the inside. There's a change in my thinking. There's a change. Look at what Jesus is preaching repentance in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Wow. Regret your past sins to live a life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, he sends the disciples out to preach. And I, wanna, I want you to look at Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus is addressing a crowd of thousands. And he said, so repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, 
regret your past sins and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased. And look at this promise. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Man, I like that. How many of you know what I'm saying? In Michigan, this time we would say, like a hot wind on a cold day. How many of you know what I'm saying? We would be like, oh, uh uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? But back then, you know, see, repent is when I heartily amend my ways. It isn't just, I'm sorry. How many of you know what I'm saying? It isn't that. It, I mean, it is, but the first thing that it was is God, I realize that I'm not, I'm striking out. I'm not hitting the ball. It ain't working. And Lord, I realize that you're saying something to me that my thinking needs to be changed. My thinking needs to be changed. It's a thinking thing. It's a thinking thing. I got, I brought myself an analogy up here. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you are with me? Come on. Check this baby out. Check that out right there. I borrowed this. Where's Jason? I borrowed it from Jason. He came in and I said, dude, I just need a t-shirt. He's like, oh, I got one. He brought, no, I'm kidding. I didn't borrow this from Jason. <laughs> what do they call, what do they call this? They call it an under shirt, an under garment. See, we want God to take, to get, to do something on the outside where we look pretty, but God says, excuse me, the problem is I need to change what's underneath that. I need to change the undergarment. No, God, you just need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And God's like, no, the problem is your thinking. The problem is you realize that you haven't heard on the inside what I've said. You've heard it with your ears, but you haven't heard it on the inside, so it hasn't changed the way that you think. So you're still wearing this, and you're saying, just put, just give me, oh, I'll take that. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. And God's like, excuse me, but what I want to do is I want to take, I want to take this, and I need you to be open to me, Mike, for me to take this. I want to take that, and what I want to do is I want to give you something new. I want to give you something new. But we're so focused on the outside better that what we don't realize is God realizes the root system for the outside is on the inside. And so he comes and he says, heartily amend your ways. I need you to agree with me on the inside. I need you to not just give me lip service. I'm not saying be perfect, but what he's saying is be perfect hearted. Perfect hearted is I agree with you, God. And when I catch my myself going down the wrong path, I immediately adjust it and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Can you help me? Because it's just a habit. It's just a pattern. And I agree with you. And when we do that, the Bible says in James 4, 6, that the power of the Holy Spirit comes in us and changes us from the inside out. I like that. How many of you know, how many of you are with me? I, I, I like that. I like it. 
I just, I'm going to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? It's about me. Self-incriminating. How many of you love it when I just tell self-incriminating stories? <laughs> um, when I was in Bible school, uh, one thing synonymous with me in school was broke. How many of you are with me? Always broke. I mean, but I wasn't as broke as my wife because she gave all of her stuff away. She would get paid and she would go over to, she would go to a rough neighborhood, load her car up with kids and take them all to Dairy Queen. And I'd be like, what are you going to pay your rent with? Lord's faithful. God's faithful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but I was, and so I would, uh, uh, so I was, when I went to Bible college, I realized really quick that I needed to get into a rhythm in my relationship with God that you could see in my routine because I was going to school in the day and I was working at night. So I'd make donuts at night. That's why I'm a donut connoisseur. Just in case you didn't know, from 20 yards, I can tell you if it's worth eating or throw it away. How many of you know what I'm saying? <coughs> and so I would go out to this. I realized that I needed a, a quiet place because realize that God wants a relationship with you. I needed a quiet place to have a relationship. I was going to Bible school, so I was learning the Bible. I was learning the Bible. But understand, I was learning about God. I needed to know him in a personal way. And so I made sure I stopped and said, I got to get in. I got to get a spot where my personal time with him is not sacrificed because I'm reading all these books and I'm doing all this stuff. And then I'm working and going a thousand miles, you know, I'm saying. And so I, I what I did is I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get off work making donuts. And then I am going to go home and take a shower because I was smelled like a donut. I was greasy. And so I go home, take a shower, and then I would go straight to school and it was still dark out and I would walk around this duck pond on the campus and I would pray and I would just, and when I say, well, I would just talk to God like I'm talking to you and just cultivating my relationship with God. And what I realized is once the sun came up, it was just, it was incredible because there were ducks out there. And in case you didn't know that ducks lay their eggs at night. So as the sun came up, there was manna all over. How many of you are with me on that? There was, there was like duck eggs and I was like, oh my God, it's the blessing of God. And I would go around and I'd pick up like usually three to five or seven duck eggs. And I would like put them in my thing and take them to my car. And you say, and, and let me just tell you, a duck egg is three times the size or these ducks of a chicken egg. So you eat one duck egg and you got three eggs. Okay, so I want you say, so my diet was lots of duck eggs. How many of you know what I'm saying? And I remember that in my time out there, the Lord just spoke to me on the inside. And he said, Mike, I had planned on going to school for evangelism. I felt like I, I wanted to be an evangelist. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to make you a pastor. Do you want to know what I did? I laughed. I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> I said, Lord, because my idea of a pastor was a dude that stayed right here. Are you with me? Fairly long robe, brethren, sistren, 
good to have you this morning. May the Lord's blessing be upon you, my dear children. That is not me. How many of you, are, how many of you will agree? That ain't you. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I can't. He said, I want you to be you. And he told me, he said, I want you, you're going to be a pastor, but I want you to move to San Diego. Well, I'll go there. How many of you are with me on that? And start a business. And he said, because it's the same faith that it takes to start a business that it does to pastor a church. And so we moved to San Diego and started a business and God blessed it and did really well. And, and, um, but just had a, always had a heart and, you know, we planted a church, pioneered a church, um, for seven years before we came here. And, um, but where I'm at right now, you look at me right now and where I'm at right now was because of a choice that I made over 40 years ago and said, okay, Lord, I believe and I'll let your better affect my choices. I'll let it affect my choices. You know that when I told some people that what I was going to do, some dis one person said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> they said, you could stay here and you could do what you're going to do there and get, probably get paid more, you know, the whole thing. And I was like, but that's not what I knew the Lord wanted me to do. And so I had to step out and do what he wanted. They meant well, they meant well. When we moved here and we knew the Lord wanted us to come here, we had two elderly people that were kind of surrogate grandparents that lived across the street. And they were spunky. They were spunky. Ray and Reed, they both gone home to be the Lord. We had the opportunity to, Ray had not, Ray was 80 and he had not been to church since he was 13 and said he'd never go, never go. Through the course of time, the Lord gave us the opportunity to lead Ray to the Lord. But this is the kind of a guy Ray was. When Ray was 55, he tried to break into professional wrestling. How many of you know? <laughs> that was that was Ray. He caught somebody peeing in his bushes and he went in and got a ball bat and came out and asked them which car was theirs because he was going to bust the windows out. That was at, at 80. That was Ray. That was Ray. They, he came and when we said, we feel like the Lord has told us to go to Michigan, they cried and they looked at us and they said, then you should keep your house here because you're going to get there and you're going to be back here within a year. That's what they said. And we said, no, we, we won't be able to do that. And then they looked at us and they said, could we come with you? And I thought, oh my God. No, I don't think that'll work either. How many of you know what I'm saying? But we had to make a choice that said, okay, God. And I wonder today, stand to your feet. You're here today and you love the Lord. You've heard about God's better. You know that he's got better. But he's wanting it right now to affect your choices, your choices. See, your will 
aligning with his will causes better to be a reality in our life. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I really feel really strong right now that there's some in this room that the Holy Spirit is lifting you, he's prodding you, he's nudging you. And he's saying, you know about me. You know my better. But I want to get involved now and maybe the way you've been thinking, which determines your choices, which determines your will, which sets the course of your life. And you're here today and you just say, that's me and I know it. I want to pray for you right where you're at. That's you. Just lift up a hand to heaven. Say, that's me. I know Jesus, but I know that right now he's, he's challenging me a little bit. This is your moment right now. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. God is reaching out. Lord, today, I thank you for every person that is here. Lord, you're so gracious and you're so good. Lord, more than anything else, we want our will to align with your will. And Lord, that's sometimes the tough thing. But Lord, today we come before you and we agree with you. Say that with me. Say, Lord, I agree with you. Right now, Lord, I put you first. And I'm asking you, help me, God. Lord, make me uncomfortable staying in the old. Lord, I invite you into my relationships. I invite you into my job. I invite you into my home. And Lord, I give you my all. And I say yes. Jesus' name. Thank you.